Welcome to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. This week's message from Lead Pastor Neil Krause is from the series, O Come, Let Us Adore Him. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com. Christmas has always been the most wonderful time of the year for me. It's always been easy for me to get excited about Christmas time and to be excited about the family and the gifts and everything that goes into Christmas. I have always really looked forward to it. But you know, I think every one of us in this room has probably been excited about Christmas and then Christmas Day comes and and the the presents are all opened and and there's that moment after we've opened all of our gifts and everybody's there and and wrapping papers laying everywhere and and Christmas has kind of come and gone that sometimes we feel this emptiness, this feeling of what just happened, all this anticipation, and now it's over, and we can tend to have a little bit of a, of a letdown after Christmas sometimes. So what do we do when we get back into the routine of life? You see, Christmas can be so exciting because it, it throws that routine off, and we, we have parties, and we have gifts, and we focus on Jesus, and it really takes things out of our normal routine. But what happens when we get back into that routine? How do we find that excitement and that joy in life? Well, that's what we're going to learn about today as we look at the shepherds. The shepherds are who we're going to look at today in Luke chapter 2 as we study and learn what do we do, how do we find that joy. You know, it was about nine years ago, I spent a year, about a year, working in a factory on an assembly line, and I was hanging doors on cabinets as they rode by on a conveyor belt. And it was a fairly fast-paced job once it got going, where what I would do is this conveyor belt would run past my station, and a cabinet would be on it. And I would walk over, and I would look in the cabinet. There'd be a label, and the label would tell me what doors belong on that cabinet. I would then walk about 20 feet to a bunch of cabinets, and I would I would find this, the specific cabinets for or, or doors for that cabinet, take them off, bring them to a table, set them down, get the appropriate hinges, depending on how that door was to be hung on that cabinet, I would hammer them in with a mallet into the door. Then I would go over to the cabinet as it's continuing to move by. I would hang it up and I would drill it on and make sure it was level before it went on to the next station. Then I would go back over here and I would hit the next cabinet that's coming down the conveyor belt. I would look at the label, go get the doors and go through that routine over and over throughout the day. And that's kind of what I did for about a year as I was working on this assembly line. And once it was done, I would start the next one. And there were several, several of us on this assembly line, all with different jobs that we would have to get done in a very short time. And needless to say, it became routine. It became kind of mundane. It actually became kind of boring as it did the same thing over and over all day. And joy was not really a word that would describe that environment where I was working at that time. Some of the workers there, they'd been there for 30 years or more, and some of them were just absolutely great guys, and I loved getting to know them. However, once that conveyor belt started moving, then the mood changed pretty quickly because we, had, we would have to work pretty hard to keep good attitudes because we had deadlines to meet. We had a certain amount of cabinets we had to make in that day and, and mistakes would be made and you didn't want to be the one who had to hit the big red button that stopped the conveyor belt and shut it down while you fixed the problem that you had. So joy was not really a thing of, about that job because we were so stressed and we were caught up in the mundane, in the, in the, um, the ritual of what we were doing. And over that time, I began to realize that Joy isn't something that should be dictated by our circumstances. You see, the pay was not really good for that job. The, the work was hard on your body, and the, the, the atmosphere was not the greatest. And, and over that year, what I began to grow in was my appreciation for each of my coworkers and the hard work that they put in for their families. 
And I also want to begin to understand what it's like to be looked down upon for your career or your job where you're looked down upon because nobody really, when you walk into somebody's brand new house and they've got this kitchen or kitchen redo and they've got these awesome cabinets hanging there, nobody says, you know, I'm so thankful for that guy that worked on that assembly line that probably hung these beautiful doors on my cabinet. You just don't. It's, it's one of those jobs where there just wasn't much satisfaction. I never got to see an end result, really, because what I would see would be a cabinet without doors, and then as I left my station, I would see a cabinet with doors, and I saw that over and over all day. I never saw the final product and never really felt appreciated for what it was that I was doing. So what I began to do is I began to apply that knowledge and understanding when I read the Christmas story about the shepherds. You see, when I read the Christmas story about the shepherds and this angel that comes to the shepherds at night, that factory and those conditions and, and the feeling of not being appreciated and not really understanding um, that job, that, that began to help me understand what these shepherds were feeling. You see, the shepherds were the lowest of the low. They were low on the totem pole. They were, they were an underappreciated job. Shepherding was actually despised among most people in that day. Shepherding was not the job that you looked forward to getting. It was not very clean. It was a common task in Judea because so many sheep were used as sacrifices in worship. One commentator says a quarter of a million sheep were slaughtered every Passover in Jerusalem. So there were tons of shepherds on the hillsides tending to these sheep. And I would bet you that nobody, when they got their sheep to go for the sacrifices, thought about the shepherd and how well the shepherd had taken care of that sheep for them. They, never, they, were, they were underappreciated. It was a job that not many people wanted. Other countries looked very unfavorably upon shepherds. In Genesis chapter 46, you look at verses 33 and 34, Joseph's brothers moved to Egypt, and here's what Joseph counsels them. He says, when Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians." He told them, he said, you tell them you've been keeping livestock. Don't tell them you've been shepherds because they will see you as an abomination. So just imagine the mindset of a shepherd, knowing that others think that they're an abomination, knowing that others think that they really don't matter in life, that they're doing this job, and, and, and they probably felt really just not very good about themselves and their occupation. I mean, you think about it, they, it was a dirty job, so they were dirty. They lived outdoors, they slept outdoors with the sheep, they handled sheep all day long, and I imagine that they smelled like sheep. So it's really not the, the people that we would expect the angel to come and invite to see this newborn baby, right? Because when the smelly strangers showed up and they entered the stable and they wanted to hold the baby, Mary couldn't just, just hand them some hand sanitizer and say, here, I want you to clean your hands. What happens when we go into a, a, a hospital room now, right? We're right away, hand sanitizer, clean your hands. Let's make sure we're clean. These guys were smelly. They were stinky. They were nasty. And they show up there to see Jesus. Why were they the ones chosen to be there for Jesus' birth? Were they the only ones that the angel Gabriel could find? No, I think God chose to announce the birth of his son Jesus to the shepherds to demonstrate his inclusiveness. He wanted to show that this good news was for all the people. He didn't pick the rich people that lived in the castle to come and see that this Christ child, the Savior of the world, had been born. He picked the lowest of the low, the dirty, stinky shepherds, and said, come, come and see this. The Savior of the world has been born. And I want you to know that this is good news of great joy for all. 
You see, I believe that God was sending the message that all are welcome in his kingdom. All are welcome to place their faith in Jesus, to look upon Jesus and to come and adore him. So we're going to take a look at what the angel said to those shepherds that night. If you would grab your Bibles and turn them to Luke chapter 2. Go ahead and grab one. There's one under your seat if you didn't bring one. We're going to be in verses 8 through 20 today. And Would you please stand with me as we read from God's holy word. As you stand, as you turn to Luke chapter 2, um, you might notice I've got something new today. I've got some readers. I got to this point in my life where I realized I'm either going to have to buy a large print Bible. I didn't want to do that because this is my preaching Bible, all right? I've got notes in it. I've really worked it. You know, it's, it's, it fits in my hand right. I've really, really broken it in. So I didn't want to buy a new Bible. So instead, I spent five bucks on readers. So now I can actually see the text when I read it for you. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Here's what God's word says. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. You can be seated. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Now look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of what? Great joy. Good news of great joy that will be for who? All the people, right? All the people, not just some of the people, not just the rich, not just certain people, but for all the people, great joy for all the people. Couldn't we all use great joy at Christmas time? You see, joy is not happiness. It's so much more than that. We tend to get caught up in the happiness of the season or the unhappiness of the season, right? Some of us are really happy during this time of year. Some of us are unhappy this time of year because maybe we've lost someone or we're missing someone or Christmas has never really been that exciting time for us. So we get caught up in the happiness or unhappiness. And he's saying, I bring great joy. We're gonna learn a little bit about what that means because we can have joy no matter the circumstances around us. And we can understand that everything is going to be all right because God has sent his son, which is great news of joy for all the people. And when we begin to understand that, we understand, okay, I can have joy no matter the circumstances. It's not just temporary pleasure, not just fleeting happiness, but this abiding joy, a continuous contentment, knowing that our lives count for God, that our lives are important to God. And I believe that's why he chose these shepherds to teach us that no matter where you find yourself on the spectrum of life, God cares about you enough to show you his son Jesus and to give you great news of great joy. So since that's what most of us really want, I want us to review this familiar story and consider 
what transformed these lowly shepherds into what we'll call ambassadors of joy. When these angels appeared to the shepherds, the mundane suddenly became exciting. Now, if you were going to list the most boring job you could ever think of, what would it be? What would it be the most boring job you ever did? For me, it would be that time in the factory. Well, I appreciate my time there working in that factory and the people that gave me the job, and I appreciate that God provided through that. It was incredibly boring for me. It was a tough time for me. Staying in that same little area all day, hanging door after door after door became very mundane. I like to be on the move, and I like to see progress. I like to see things happening. And all I ever saw was a partially complete cabinet leave my area each and every day. And then it went on to the next person. And I can imagine that the life of the shepherds was probably pretty boring as well. This job, it lacked excitement. It lacked appreciation. The days they spent... Um, with their sheep, you know, they would, they would take them to greener pastures day after day. That's what they would do. Grass is gone, gone here, we'll move on to another field. And then the nights they would spend sleeping under the stars. It was a routine job. Day after day, they had that routine. Now, occasionally, they might have to shoo away a, a predator, a wolf, or something that's coming after them. But for the most part, their day was very routine, and they just kept watch over their flocks. And let's be real, sheep are pretty boring, right? Sheep are not real exciting animals. You can look online, find exciting videos about dogs and cats and all kinds of animals, but you never see videos about sheep, do you? I've never seen a funny video about a sheep because they're just boring. They're boring, stinky animals, and they're really not that interesting. Scripture says that these shepherds, they were keeping watch at night, and I would think that would have been pretty monotonous. I would imagine they were settling down for the night, the sheep were sleeping, and the shepherds were probably trying to keep themselves awake, probably struggling to stay awake. Maybe somebody was on guard, but suddenly there's this electrifying and unforgettable experience. Suddenly something happens that changes their lives forever. Verse 9, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Have you ever been in a really dark room when someone just flipped on a light really quick? That's kind of what I picture here. You know, my mom used to do that whenever she would wake us up in the morning as we would be sleeping in our beds, nice and cozy and warm, and it would be dark in the room. Mom would open the door real quick, flip on a light switch, and say, rise and shine. Oh, that drove me nuts. I would pull the covers up over my head or get my head under the pillow because the bright lights would just blind me. And that's what I picture as these guys are sitting out in the dark at night. The bright lights come on and an angel's there saying, rise and shine. I got some news for you. I've got something that is great for you to hear. And it says that they were afraid. I can imagine if the night sky just lights up and there's an angel in front of you. I imagine that this had to have terrified the shepherds. And all of a sudden, it says the glory of the Lord is shining all around them, and there's an angel standing there. Their hearts had to have been racing. They had to have been terrified in an instant. Their boring jobs became very exciting. Verses 10 through 14 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, imagine that, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So there's no question about it. There's no, this could be the Savior, the Messiah. The angel from heaven is saying, today is born Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. He is our Savior. And this says, and this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. That's not a place you're normally going to find a baby. So when you see him, you're going to know it's him. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. These guys had never seen anything like it. Their routine got mixed up. 
and they would never see anything like it again. That night, that night had begun so routine like they normally do. It ended up being the most thrilling thing that ever happened to them. So let's apply that to our lives real quickly. When Jesus Christ comes into our lives, it should be the most exciting thing that has ever happened to us. The Savior of the world, when, when he is revealed to you, it's as if a light switch comes on and God's saying, rise and shine. I've got great news for you. You have a Savior that has been born for you to rescue you from your sins. And you see, when that happens for us, it is good news of great joy, and it should be a thing that transforms our life forever. And that's what happened out of the routine of these shepherds' lives as their lives were transformed. That reality alone should fill us with joy for the rest of our lives that a Savior has been born for us. And you see, for each one of us, there has to come that point in our life when a light switch flips on and we recognize, I understand now why Jesus came. I understand now why we celebrate Christmas because it's good news that a Savior has been born to take away my sin. So you see, no matter how routine life may get, we can still have joy in the midst of the highs and the lows of life because there will be highs in life, there will be lows in life. But when we go through those highs and those lows and the mostly in between, which is routine, when we go through that understanding, there's good news of great joy for us, for me, that should give me joy to make it through any circumstance. So no matter how routine life may get, we can still have joy. Listen, most of life is pretty routine, right? Most of my life has been pretty routine. We get caught up in doing the same activities day after day, same kind of routine throughout our life. Life was never meant to be one exciting thing after another. We have exciting points. We have high points. We also have low points. But for the most part, we live in the routine. When when Jesus Christ brings occasional spiritual exhilaration into our mundane lives, we are to celebrate that and rejoice in that. There are exciting times where he comes and it just, it just blows us away, like those shepherds when the angels showed up and told them about Jesus. That had been the most exciting night of their life. And I can imagine every night after that, they thought, I wish God would do something like that again. You know, I bet they would be out in the fields in the dark and thinking, is God going to show up again? Is another angel going to come out of the sky? I can't wait to see it. But I would bet they went back to a routine kind of life. And we've got to learn that sometimes there's these big highs in life, sometimes there's lows in life, but there's a whole lot of routine. And we've got to learn to take the highs, the lows, and the routine with joy in our life because of the promise that God's given us. You see, it's exciting when we're baptized into Christ. One of the, one of the highlights of my life is my baptism. One of the highlights of ministry is when we get to see people get baptized in that baptistry right over there. It's just a high of church life but we don't see it every single week. We don't see it all the time, but we celebrate it when it does happen. It's exciting when we experience a dramatic answer to prayer and we find out that the cancer's gone or or somebody's coming home for good from from overseas or or whatever. You know, we hear these answers to prayer and those are highs, they're exciting. It's thrilling when when a dynamic teacher teaches something and the Bible comes to life for us and we say, wow, that's awesome, I love it. I was just really fed by that. But that's not the reality of our constant in our everyday spiritual walk. You know, we have these exciting moments, but we'll also have routine moments. There are exciting events that happen in the life of a church over time, too. Most church services are pretty routine. Like most meals, they still feed you, though. You know, most of our meal times are pretty routine, but we still get fed. Most church services are pretty routine, but we still get fed when we come 
to eat and feast on the word of the Lord. You see, pretty much every weekend, week in and week out, you can predict kind of what this service is going to look like, right? But every now and then, God does something amazing. If we continue to feed and to feast on his word and we continue to worship him, and we continue to have joy in our hearts because of the good news that he's given us, every now and then he does something magnificent like showing up in the sky with angels and making an announcement. If you've been a part of this church for any time, you might hear people say, hey, were you here that weekend when the Holy Spirit just took over the service in an amazing way? And during worship, the altar was flooded with people so much so that when it came time for Pastor Neil to preach, he just came up and said, you know what? I don't feel like I'm supposed to preach today because God's ministering to our hearts. And we spent that whole hour, hour and a half on our knees at the altar praying and singing worship songs. Do you remember that? That was awesome. But we can't expect that to happen every single weekend. We can rejoice that God did it, and we can say, God, I hope you do that again. But we've got to understand that we can still have joy whenever he doesn't do it again. Or maybe, maybe you've been here before on a night of prayer and worship service, and some of you have been a part of some of those, and you've, you, you, you might hear people say, do you see how God's Spirit worked during that night of prayer and worship? People were healed. It was incredible. It was amazing. We have stories of people that have come out of nights of prayer and worship, and they said, I had an ailment, and it's gone. And we can't explain it. None of us did it. God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, decided to, to bless someone and heal them. We have stories of marriages being restored in this church, not because of any one person's counseling, but because the counselor, the Holy Spirit, got a hold of the husband and the wife, and they began to look to God first and to honor him first and to love him first, and then he began to draw them together. And you see, God does amazing things in our lives when we get used to understanding that if we continue to go through the routine of life, looking to God and understanding that he has good news of great joy for us, then we'll see these amazing things. We'll also go through low times, but we'll also be able to go through all those with joy in our heart. You see, when Jesus came, he did something amazing and he did something for those shepherds is that he put speculation about himself to rest. And he still has a way of doing that today. You see, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, the supernatural became believable. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus and come to adore him, the supernatural will become believable. Because some of you may have just heard some of those stories I just talked about and how the Holy Spirit worked and how we've seen healings, we've seen miraculous things happen. Not all the time, but we've seen it happen. The miraculous becomes believable when we come and we adore Jesus, and we understand that he has good news of great joy for us. You see, these shepherds, they sat out under the stars. They, they probably, as they were out there, I can imagine they were making small talk as they just hung out out there because they're, they're people just like us, right? So we can't just picture them as being this totally separate thing. We've got to think of them like us. They were out there sitting under the stars, and it had been hundreds of years since they had heard from God. So they are waiting, they are listening, they're hoping that God will send the Messiah. And I would imagine they had some conversations as they sat out there and they probably thought, hey, do you think this is all really real? As they looked up at the starry sky and they probably thought, hey, you know, we've lost some loved ones. Do you think we'll really see them again someday? They were taking care of these sheep out in the field and those sheep, the purpose would be that they would provide them as sacrifices for their sins. And you think they probably question sometimes, is this, is this really good? Or, or is it just a bunch of religious stuff? Does this really do any good to sacrifice these sheep? 
And I would bet that they had questions like that and they were wondering and, and they, were, they were asking each other. But I can tell you that when the angel showed up from heaven and it's shown in front of them and said, I have great news of, of, good, of, of joy for you, all speculation went away. When a multitude of angels showed up and started singing glory to God in the highest, all speculation went away. When they made their journey to Bethlehem and they found this baby Jesus laying in a manger, all speculation went away. Listen, if you've experienced something amazing with the Lord, rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. Hold on to that. Even hope for that again. But don't get discouraged if it doesn't happen again. These shepherds, they're on a spiritual high from that experience. And I want us to see what they do with that. So they're on this spiritual high. The angels have shown up. They, they, they've just totally rocked their world. Their routine is gone for a moment. And what do they do? They didn't ask for more evidence. They, said, hey, they didn't say, hey, we need, we need some more evidence. We need some more proof here. The angels all across the sky didn't really do it for us. They didn't say that. No, the angels were there, and it says they believed, and then they took action. They took action. Verses 15 through 16 says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The shepherds took action. Upon hearing about Jesus, they began to intently look for him. So these shepherds, they hear about the Christ child, the Savior being born, and they begin to intently look for him. So maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe Christmas time, you know that it celebrates the birth of Christ. But the question is, are you intently looking for him? Have you intently searched for him? Because if you do, you will find him. The Bible tells us that if you will with all your heart search for Jesus, he will reveal himself to you. And when you begin to search the scriptures, Jesus will reveal himself to you and you will find him and you will learn how to have joy in your heart no matter the circumstance and when he reveals himself to you you'll know and understand that it takes faith to follow him hebrews eleven six says this and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to god must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him he rewards those who seek him those who look to find him like the shepherds they heard about him but then they took action and they went to find him. So if you've heard about Jesus, just hearing about Jesus isn't enough. You need to intently seek him. And when you seek him, you will find him. And when you find him, you're to place your faith in him. You see, when Jesus reveals himself to you, it takes faith. Christianity requires faith in creation. It requires faith in a virgin birth. It requires faith in angels. It requires faith in, in, in that amazing star that led them to find him. It requires faith in a blood atonement that the blood of Jesus will cover over our sins. We have to place our faith in that. It requires faith in the bodily resurrection that Jesus really resurrected from the dead and conquered death. And unlike the shepherds, we haven't seen a host of angels filling the sky. We haven't seen an angel show up and sing glory to God in the highest. But we do have his word. We have the Bible that teaches us about this event and about the birth of Jesus. And I pray that like the shepherds, each one of us at Christmas time would say to ourselves, let us go over to Bethlehem and let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us.
See, God has made it known to us. And every Christmas, we have the opportunity to visit Bethlehem in our minds. And we get a chance to look at the Bible and to see this thing that has happened. And when we see this thing that has happened, we are to place our faith in what God has done for us, which the Lord has made known to us. God has made known his plan right here. We don't have to see it with our own eyes. You know, in the movie, The Santa Claus, starring Tim Allen, there's this scene where one of the elves makes a statement, and she says, seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. And while that's talking about Santa Claus, I think we can apply that to our faith. Seeing isn't believing. It's believing, and believing in him by faith when we begin to see. When we begin to believe by faith in Jesus without physically seeing him with our eyes, then our eyes begin to be opened to the supernatural. Our eyes begin to be open to what he has done for us. In John 20, 29, Jesus said this to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, too often we want to have all the answers. We want to see all the facts before we'll believe. We want to see the angel light up the sky and a host of angels singing in, he in, in the heavens. And we want to see Jesus with our own eyes and, and be able to see the, the, the sores in his hands and in his feet and, and in his side. We want to be able to see that like Thomas who doubted. But he, God is saying, blessed are those who've not seen and yet believe because they have heard of what God has done. You see, we... We want to see the baby Jesus lying in a manger. We want to see the resurrected Jesus walking along the street. Yet Jesus says this, blessed are you when you believe by faith. And Jesus brought joy to those shepherds that first Christmas because he revealed himself to them in a supernatural way. He made the supernatural believable. But most importantly, he made the insignificant significant. He made those that felt insignificant significant. Look at verse 11 again. For unto you, unto who? Unto you, the angel Gabriel is talking to them and he says, for unto you, shepherds, for unto you, guys sitting in a field that feel like nobody even cares about you, unto you, he says, is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Unto you, shepherds, unto you, those whom others look down upon, unto you, a Savior has been born. What an honor to recognize the truth that they, the lowly shepherds, the lowest of the low, the lowest of society, had been chosen by God to be the first to see the Messiah. And maybe they weren't significant to the world, but God had chosen them to receive the news of the Messiah's birth. And they were invited to come and adore him. And that's what they did. They didn't have much in this world, but they had a special identity in God's kingdom. And I want you to know today that no matter what you think your worth might be, Maybe you feel worthless. Maybe you feel unworthy of being in the presence of Jesus. Maybe you feel unworthy because of things that you've done. Maybe you feel unworthy because of just where your life is at this moment. God's telling you today. He's telling you he has great news for you. That his son Jesus was born for you. To forgive you of your sins. So he's saying you just come and you adore him. He's telling you you're worthy of that gift. And when you receive that gift of salvation that he sent through his son Jesus, then you're called to share it. He doesn't want you to just take that gift of salvation and just hold on to it for yourself. He says, now that you've got this, 
you're to share this with others. Look at verses 17 through 18. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Everywhere the shepherds went after that, I think they shared their story. And they told about how the angels had appeared in the sky and how the Savior had been born and how this star led them to, to, to know exactly where he'd be and how they had seen him. And everyone who heard it was amazed. And, and people listened to these shepherds tell the story of how the angels had told them and how they found Jesus in Bethlehem, lying in a manger, just as the angel had said. And I think it's amazing that people would listen to what the shepherds had to say. Because you see, the shepherds didn't have a voice until that point. But God gave them a voice because he gave them a message. And the people were in wonder when they heard it. And they probably weren't well educated because they were shepherds. They probably weren't very articulate. But God chose them to be witnesses of his truth as they enthusiastically shared it. Listen, God's given you the gift of salvation. Once you receive that gift, he says you go share it. You don't have to be a trained public speaker to share what God has done. Throughout history, many people that God has chosen to use greatly have not been trained speakers. They just shared what God had shown them. And that's what these shepherds began to do. They had something special, and they just couldn't keep it to themselves. They'd seen the promises of God fulfilled in the Savior being born, and they were overflowing with joy from this. Now, I don't think they suppressed their message. Instead, I think they joyfully proclaimed it to everyone that they saw because the Savior of the world had been born and something miraculous had happened in their life. Now, today, if God's revealed himself to you and you've placed your faith in Jesus, God's done something miraculous in you. I know he's done something miraculous in me. He changed me. He made me a new creation. He provided a way for me to live with him for eternity. Therefore, I'm called to share that message with others. But you know what? At Christmas time, our world's trying to suppress that message. What we hear is, don't sing Christmas carols in school. You know, let's take those songs off the radio. Don't put nativity scenes out on in, in public property. We're going we're gonna to fight that. Don't call it a Christmas tree. Call it a holiday tree. Don't say Merry Christmas to your customers or, or you could get sued. But Christmas is about the birth of our Savior. It's about a Savior being born for all, for all. And we're to joyfully proclaim his birth. Verse 20 says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and had been told to them. Now, their circumstances hadn't changed. They were still shepherds. They were still going to go back to the same job. They weren't given higher positions. They weren't given promotions. They still had the lowliest of jobs watching those boring sheep. But they had a new feeling of significance and a new joy inside of them because they had been introduced to their Savior. So now they had a joy about them because of what God has done. And when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become eternally significant, just like those shepherds did. You are a living soul that will spend eternity with God when you place your faith in Jesus. And God came to those shepherds and he chose to reveal the coming of his son Jesus and he chooses to reveal his son Jesus to you as well so that all who would hear would bring his message of joy to all who would receive him and glorify his name. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Listen, you may feel like your life is mundane. You may feel underappreciated. You may wonder why God would ever reveal himself to you, but that very first Christmas, he revealed himself to the shepherds to let us know that he brings good news of great joy that will be for all the people, all the people, the lowly shepherds and you and me today.
He is revealing himself to you today. Will you come and adore him? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. Thankful that your word teaches us about Jesus and teaches us about your love for us. And God, as we look at the story of these shepherds and we learn about how, how they must have felt about themselves and how they must have felt unworthy, but you chose to show up to them and to say, I have good news of great joy for you. Today a Savior has been born, the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we celebrate that. Father, I recognize this morning that Christmas can sometimes be a, a time where we struggle to find joy, where we struggle to find peace. And God, for those in this room who walked in here today just wondering how they, could, how they could find joy this season, Lord, I pray that they would learn that they can find it through faith in your son, Jesus, and that you can supernaturally bring into their lives just that inner peace, that inner joy, that no matter the circumstance in life, they can look to you and know that they get to spend eternity with you and that that would be enough. Father, may we rest in you during this season. May we come and adore you. May we recognize that that's why we celebrate Christmas. It's because Jesus has provided a way. He came with great news. May we accept that today. And may we come and adore you as we open up the altar. Father, for those who need to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, I pray they would come today and just kneel at the altar and just say, God, I thank you for sending Jesus to cover my sins. I repent of my sins and I turn to you now. Pray they know it's that simple. God, for those of us in this room that have struggled to find joy during the holiday season, I pray that we would come and just take a knee today and say, God, thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you that you show us your love through your word and that we can have joy in all circumstances because of Jesus, our Savior. So, Lord, we give this time to you and we celebrate what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as Lead Pastor Neil Krause continues in the series, Oh Come Let Us Adore Him. For more information about forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.